What's up, guys? Welcome back into the EPL Lounge. I am joined by the always magnificent Sergio. Serge, welcome back to the show, and we finally have Premier League football to look forward to at the weekend. Feels like it's been gone for a month again, but such is the international break. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, Josh. It was a tough weekend. Let me tell you, uh, just three or four weeks of Premier League already back into the habit and then just sitting there on Saturday night and having nothing to watch. Uh, it was a little sad, but uh, at least we're back this weekend. Yeah, it was a little bit deflating, that's for sure. I like set myself up on the couch on Saturday night and everything and then came that realisation that there is no Premier League to watch. So ended up playing PlayStation all night, which probably wasn't the best idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, we've got plenty to get through today we'll preview match day four we'll spend the entire show basically just previewing the games getting a little bit more in depth with them um the six feature games i'll give out the pun school best bet as well at the end of the show there's just the one best bet actually coming off the international break um so we'll share it for everyone we can all get involved in that one uh i'd love to say we're going to start with leeds liverpool but um we'll end with leeds liverpool today let's start with the early yeah exactly let's start with the early kickoff though First game back, Crystal Palace hosting Tottenham, league-leading Tottenham, I should say. Um, don't want to hurt anyone's feelings there. But look, Spurs, credit to them. Only team in the league with nine points from nine available so far. Haven't looked particularly convincing. Also the first team in Premier League history since you know this start has been tracked that have lost the XG battle in three games and have picked up all three points nonetheless. So a little bit unconvincing, but wins are wins. Uh, coming into this one, off of an international break and the early kickoff is always really tricky, especially given a lot of players these days don't get back until sort of that Thursday, late Thursday, early Friday UK time, and then having to play early on the Saturday what are you making of this fixture? Uh, those of you watching live on YouTube now, you can see our projected score in the brackets there. So Crystal Palace 1.02, Tottenham 1.4. The model kind of picks it to be potentially a closer game than what many people are anticipating. Uh, market sitting at minus three quarters of a goal for Tottenham. I think if it gets to a full goal, I'll probably get involved in Crystal Palace here. I'm not sure I trust Tottenham to win by two or more. What about you, Serge, for here? Crystal Palace, Tottenham, what are your thoughts on this one, the early kickoff? Yeah, well, like you said, Josh, you do have to give kudos to Tottenham for being top of the table, even at the early stages. But uh, the reality is, for me, both these teams have been disappointing in their own ways. Uh, Tottenham, particularly given the expectation. Uh, now, I wonder whether they'll have a, a boost from, you know, Harry Kane's at least short-term future at the club being secure now. Um, obviously, he wasn't able to make much of an impact in the first couple of games that he played. Uh, however, you know, now he's he's stuck there until January at least. So it'd be really interesting to see how they reintegrate him into the squad and whether that does boost them or whether, you know, Kane cuts a forlorn figure on the pitch and it, it rubs off on his teammates. We don't know. You know, again, we've seen this happen many times in the past where a really unhappy player has sort of um, stamped his feet and tried to get the move and uh, the club have held on to him and sometimes it works out really really well like uh, David De Gea at Manchester United you know he was desperate to leave at one point they forced him to stay you know he turned it around had a couple of fantastic seasons he's still there to this day um, you know Harry Kane is a professional so I do think that he's going to uh, produce the goods on the pitch I don't see him as a sort of player to, to sulk um, having said that, interesting to see whether he goes in January, but that's that's another conversation. You know, um, uh, Crystal Palace, uh, big signing, I think, on deadline day. Odson Edouard, uh, you know, one of the best strikers out of the Scottish League. Uh, obviously, again, you know, Scotland compared to the Scottish League compared to the English League, really comparing apples and oranges. Uh, you know, even the most prolific goal scorers from Scotland can fail to make an impact in England because the quality of football is so much higher. Having said that, you know, um, I, I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. I think he's a really good pickup for Palace. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think that he wants to make a big statement on his debut. Uh, look, to be honest, Josh, at the end of the day, I'm not convinced by either of these teams. Uh, and I'm picking a draw in this one. I could see a draw for sure. Um, not 
like you said, not because I necessarily have a lot of faith in Crystal Palace. I, you know, I do worry about that team over the course of the season and, and what they're able to sort of produce. You look at the results, two points in the first three games, but just really flat and poor, I think, across the pitch. Um, in terms of this particular matchup, and, you know, let's just touch on Harry Kane really quickly. Assuming he comes back into that starting lineup, it'll mean Son probably moves out to the left. Um, how much do you think that changes the dynamic for Spurs? Because they've been, in the first three games anyway, they've been set up so well to play on the counter just because of the absolute pace of, you know, all three of the front lines, Son, Bergwijn and Lucas Mora. Altering that to sort of, I guess, in a way, accommodate for Kane, which you, you just, you do. You accommodate for your best players and you find a way to make it work. Is there going to be some sort of teething problem, do you anticipate, in sort of trying to compensate for his style of play? Um, do you think that we get a lacklustre performance from Tottenham as a result in terms of being able to turn what will likely be dominance in terms of possession into clear-cut chances against a team as well that's going to sit a lot deeper than the teams that they played. And, you know, let's be honest, Palace aren't exactly going to try and take the game to Tottenham in the same way that Man City did or that Wolves did. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think, like, at the end of the day, I still see Tottenham as a team that has disappointed and fundamentally has to improve. If they don't improve, you know, the results are going to start turning the the other way. So, you know, even though they have managed to pick up the results and we have we have seen some really great stuff from Son, I think from their perspective, they're hoping, you know, you bring Kane into that that central position and you start getting, you know, the likes of Son and more and more involved in other areas of the pitch and, and maybe contributing to a little bit more fluency in that, that final third. So... Look, whatever happens, Kane coming into the into the starting lineup has to be a positive for them. Not only because he's a great player, but because they haven't performed particularly well without him. You know, again, my only um, my only concerns are not necessarily in terms of how Kane is going to be um, slotted into that lineup, in like tactically. My concern is, you know, what is it going to be like for team morale and like the psychological element like you don't know what's happening in that dressing room whether there is resentment building up towards Kane as well so we're going to see if um if Kane is playing for the team and then we're also going to find out whether the players are, are playing for Kane um yeah. and I think that's going to be a really interesting story and I, I think this this match is actually going to reveal a lot of that yeah it really is like a, a sort of you know banana skin fixture if you will for Spurs coming off of an international break and looking at Palace as well, I mean, I, I spoke about how lacklustre they've been, sort of, especially going forward. But I mean, defensively, they haven't necessarily been terrible. Away at Chelsea, they gave away a 1.19 expected goals against, which is not bad at all at, uh, when you're going away at Stamford Bridge. And, you know, you look at the goals that they conceded in that game, that Marcus Alonso free kick was just, you know, that's, that's what it took to necessarily break the deadlock. Um, you know, a, a bit of a goalkeeping error, if you will, and a bit of a scramble for that second goal. And then obviously a terrific strike uh, for the third goal in the second half. All of those goals had low expected goal outcomes in terms of the shots taken. Mm -hmm. They then played Brentford at home. They held them to a 0 0.7 expected goals allowed. They then went away to West Ham, who have been one of the you know most free-flowing teams in the Premier League to start the season. 2-2 draw, conceded two, but only gave up a 1.4 expected goals allowed as well. So, I mean, they've been very respectable in that regard, I think, um, considering the two places that they've been to are against sort of two of the harder attacks to contain. At home to Tottenham, um, you know, do you think it's possible that they can frustrate them enough and then get something on the counter that if Palace play from in front, does this become an entirely different task for Tottenham? And do you have any faith in them being able to come back from behind? Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to see from what we've seen so far this season anyway, um, either of these teams having a really uh, easy time uh, coming back from uh, from a deficit. 
And uh, you know, the thing is like with Palace, yeah, look, maybe I'm, I'm underrating them a little bit. Uh, one thing I did say at the start of the season, you know, I thought it was going to be a difficult season for them because that they are in a transition phase, both in terms of the squad itself and also obviously, you know, Patrick Vieira coming in. Uh, and, you know, he's a football mind that I rate very, very highly. So I do expect them to, to see, uh, I, I expect them to see them improve quite a bit as the season goes on. I, I think he's a, he's a fantastic manager and a football mind. And, you know, the thing is with those really uh, savvy managers, not only do they have the ability to, you know, build a team over time, but to, to pull out an unlikely um, uh, result. Uh, against the big clubs because they know how to set up the team and and play against them. I think we've already seen that, as you said, he knows how to set up the team to, um, to shut up shop. You know, he just hasn't necessarily had the the quality to, to impact games um, in the way that he would like. But again, you know, I think big signing on uh, deadline day and who knows, it's absolutely uh, potential banana skin for Spurs. Yeah, like I said, I won't be getting involved in current markets. Um, you see our projections there at the bottom of the screen for those of you watching on YouTube or Facebook. But if it does, if the market does continue to take money for Tottenham going into the weekend and you can catch Crystal Palace at plus one for, say, $1.75 or better, um, that would definitely be a buy spot for me, I think, uh, to get involved with the home side there to you know, keep it respectable in what is still a London derby as well, it has to be said. Let's move to the second game, though. Is it a relegation battle? I don't know. It's it's two of the bottom teams in the league at the moment, Arsenal and Norwich. Arsenal back home for this one. Um, you know, I think we've spoken enough on their start to the season uh, and what's going wrong and the dysfunction within that team. It's also fair to say, though, there is no better opportunity coming out of it international break to get their season back on track than to play Norwich at home. Um, you know, they Canaries have been absolutely bullied around those first two fixtures. I thought they were very unfortunate uh, match day three at home to Leicester to not at least pick up a point in that one. Um, but it'll be interesting to see the mindset that they come in to not just this fixture, but to the next few um, having, you know, yet to register a point in the Premier League and whether that's sort of already in the back of some of the players' minds after their uh, rather lacklustre Premier League showing a couple of seasons back. But for this one, Serge, Arsenal-Norwich, uh, I don't know, these are two teams you haven't really had nice words to say this season. Are you just going to say draw for the sake of it? As you can see, our projections, we don't have one for this game. Like I've said, we don't use early season projections for the newly promoted teams. We'll wait for the data to sort of correlate there. But I think I have to pick Arsenal here, but I say that with absolutely no confidence whatsoever. What about you? Well, look, both these guys are rock bottom, um, you know, at the bottom of the table right now. So, uh, you know, both uh, three losses from three games, both minus nine goal difference, which, you know, is average of uh, losing by three goals a game, which is absolutely embarrassing. Um so, you know, both these teams have had the worst possible start to a Premier League season. You know, maybe they both managed, they've both been pumped 5-0 by Manchester City. So they have a lot in common. And, um, you know, I think it's probably more acceptable. It's never acceptable, but it's probably more acceptable for Norwich as a club than it is for Arsenal. Um, I'm going to surprise you with this one, Josh, uh, even though... You know, I, I've had been very critical of Arsenal and I haven't had a positive thing to say about them. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said they're going to see this as an opportunity to to start their season. It's probably, you know, going to be the, uh, I don't want to say straightforward fixture. I don't like using the word easy in the Premier League because there's no such thing as an easy game. But if there is, they're going to look at this and be like, this is an opportunity to get three points, even with the way we're playing on home soil. Look, we've had a tough start to the season, but this is our chance to to turn things around. You look at the quality of these two teams and the pedigree, you've, you've got like a giant against, um, you know, a newly promoted uh, side who, you know, will struggle to stay in the Premier League. So I'm actually going to go for an Arsenal victory in this one. Fair enough. But that being said, I mean, I look at the markets here. 
Norwich plus one, also intriguing, much the same as Crystal Palace. Can you really trust Arsenal to beat anyone by two or more goals right now? I don't think so. Um, So, you know, you could argue that there is value there on Norwich. Looking at some of the data as well, I mean, it's not just the goals conceded, like you said. Arsenal far and away the worst defensive team in the league. Um, Even though Norwich have conceded 10, Arsenal conceded 9. Arsenal with an expected goals allowed of 10 so far across three fixtures. Easily the worst in the league. Norwich Mm. with an expected goals allowed of just 5.5, despite conceding 9. So, I mean, defensively probably a little bit better than what uh, some of those score lines reflect. The other side of the pitch, though, two of the worst attacking teams as well, and Arsenal sitting at dead last in that regard is probably the more concerning part um, for them, I, which is, I guess, hard to say. I, both sides are concerning when you look at those numbers and, and results and the way that they play. But across three fixtures, to have a combined expected goals return of 1.77, that is absolutely abysmal. The second worst in the league, by the way, is Watford, and they're at 2.35. And then you've got Norwich just above that. So it could be, you know, scrappy. I I don't expect it to be open. I think it'll be cagey. I think the atmosphere as well in that stadium is going to make it tense and cagey and a little bit, you know, frustrating I think for the Arsenal players should they struggle to get on top early and if they don't assert themselves in those first 20 minutes uh, I think Norwich are only going to grow in confidence as the game goes on and the longer it stays a stalemate so for me if I had to make a bet I think it's Norwich plus one Um, but again I don't say that with a ton of confidence I just think this is probably one of the hardest fixtures to really put your finger on because uh, you know, you've got one side in particular who are playing so far below their expectations that, you know, we're yet to really work out whether we need to lower those expectations or whether they're going to sort of return to the means per se. Yeah, and look, even though uh, this is, you know, I am predicting Arsenal to start their season with this match, this is not uh, a game that I would want to touch as, as a better uh, for that reason. It's just... Yeah, you can't really realistically um, put money towards Arsenal right now, even in this fixture. Um, yeah. My question to, to you, Josh, is, you know, if they if they do lose this match, you know, um, how secure is Arteta's future? I think he's... I think they have to sack him if, if they lose, right? To be 0-4, four losses... Um, a couple of them emphatically against the teams that are expected to be above them, but then also against two newly promoted sides as well. Mm. I don't think there's any way, shape or form he can survive if they lose this fixture. Uh, if they draw and, you know, they play well and they were the more dominant team, you know, maybe they extend the leash a little bit and say, let's see if we can build something over the next couple of weeks. Um but yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts? That's a that's a tough one. I'd be interested to see what Arsenal fans think of that one. I mean, I know a lot of them are very vocal about the fact that he needs to leave and leave now. But yeah, what are your thoughts there? Do do you see a world where he can potentially stay in charge even if they lose this fixture? Look, I can see, I can see the world where he where he keeps his job. But I think if they lose this fixture, you know, he's he's finished. I think that's the likeliest outcome. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. Like, like for, for me, for my money, I'm already convinced that he's not the right man for the job. Having said that, I do think that he can stabilise this team potentially and pick up a few victories and get them towards mid-table at least. I think yeah, he's capable. I- doing that i do as well yeah i do as well and and like i said like how how much will getting those key players back impact this team as well um you know there's some pretty big names that have been out for them to start the season not just big names i mean like impactful players as well so a full strength arsenal absolutely start clawing their way back to mid table i think 
Um, I would, I, I'd love to live in a simulation where they lose this game and he keeps his job and just watching the Arsenal fans absolutely riot. <laughs> From a neutral perspective, it would make for high levels of entertainment. Um, but I, I personally, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that they can possibly keep him on if they lose this fixture. But again, like I think we're both in agreement here that they will win this one, albeit has, probably unconvincingly. Has Arteta's personality protected him a little bit? I feel like he's just such a gentleman and such a um, such a such a nice guy that you know um, you know Wenger had this smugness about him, yeah. this kind this coldness and and this smugness, and I think that really graded on. The, the nerves of a lot of Arsenal fans that seemed to blame him for everything. And he didn't really have much grace with the media. Um, and, you know, you, you, you lose the media and your job becomes much, much more difficult. Uh, whereas Arteta, you know, like I said, I, I, I think that um, his personality has really done him a lot of favours. It's not going to do him any favours with the board uh, if, they, if they're convinced that, you know, um, the club can't progress with him. They're going to sack him one way or another, but I think it's bought him a little bit of time with the the fans. Could you imagine if this was Wenger starting a season? Oh man! Um, yeah, like the, the 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 stands would be on in flames. Absolutely, the outrage would just be it'd be hilarious, but it would be bordering, you know, unsafe territory. I think going into that stadium this weekend if they were zero and three and Wenger was in charge. Um, yeah, and that's a that's a fair point. I, I I don't think his personality has necessarily given him a pass with the fans, but I, I'd be curious if it has with the board, and I think it has to an extent with the media, right? Like, yeah, he's been criticised somewhat, but nowhere near as heavily as, like you said, whether it be Wenger in charge or potentially anyone else. I mean, you imagine Mourinho was in this situation, for example. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the, the term media darling exists for a reason. There yeah. are some managers that are just naturally gifted at, um, you know, getting the media on their side and playing their game. And, you know, I think the same can be said for uh, for referees. There are some managers yeah. that historically have known how to get that, uh, that decision in a 50-50 situation with a referee. And, you know, Ferguson admitted as much in his autobiography. Yeah. Um, it's the reality of um, the game exactly so both of us i think leaning arsenal to win um from a betting perspective i lean norwich plus one is probably the best bet here but i won't be getting involved in this game whatsoever i just think the scope of variance is so wide that literally every outcome is on the table and a realistic um, potential for it to come through as well so complete pass here let's go to one of the more interesting fixtures of the weekend leicester at home to manchester city uh, looking at our projections model, it doesn't give Leicester a whole lot of hope. 0.87, Man City 1.59. Um, the Foxes starting the season kind of meh for me. Uh, you know, they've got two wins. I don't think they were convincing in either win. They got blown off the park at West Ham. Obviously, the red card didn't help, but I think it also helped uh, hide how poor they were. Um, for basically the entirety of that game, even when they did have 11 versus 11. City obviously have just come into their own after dropping points on the opening match day to pretty resounding wins, to say the least. How do you see them coming back from the international break here? And bearing in mind as well that these top teams like City uh, will probably have one eye to watch match day one in the Champions League next midweek as well. Um, but for you here, Man City, Leicester, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, look, it's tough to look beyond Man City. You know, they're they're absolutely humming at the moment. You know, even though they they lost that game in um, in week one, uh, they've got the best goal difference in the league. They've scored the most goals or equal number of goals. You know, West Ham have also scored ten somehow, um, but. Yeah, look, just absolutely dominant. Um, and, you know, when Man City are, are in this sort of form, it's just Im impossible to bet against them uh, unless they're playing one of the other top four teams. Outside of the top four, you've got Man City. Um, 
you know, playing the way they're playing and, and scoring the way they're scoring, you just can't bet against them. Um, some disappointment, arguably, in the transfer market, some frustration for Guardiola. Obviously, you know, I think his first target was Harry Kane. That fell through. Cristiano Ronaldo was snatched at the 11th hour um, by Man U. We discussed that last week. We don't know if he was necessarily, uh, you know, a dream player for Guardiola in footballing terms. But obviously, you know, they had identified um, a position in the squad to fill and they haven't filled it. So, you know, as you said, now that the fixtures are starting to, are going to start piling on with the Champions League and, and with the other cups, is Guardiola going to feel like that uh, that slot that hasn't been filled is is going to affect the team? Look, I don't think it's going to uh, be a factor in this game, but uh, as the as the fixture congestion starts to to pile up and and accumulate, I, I think I think it will come out in the press conferences if uh, Guardiola is indeed frustrated with with the board. Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. Like you said, probably not anytime in the immediate future. Um, it's something that I think will come to fruition come that sort of mental Christmas period in particular um, where, you know, we already know foreign managers are very much against that time of year in the Premier League as it is. Um, yeah, that I think that's when you really sort of start to see where he stands in that situation and, and whether there is genuine frustration towards the owners and not being able to get something over the line there. In terms of this fixture, though, um, I don't see them having any issues with Leicester, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, you know, we spoke about whether Leicester could push the top four at the start of the season. I said no, and I was pretty bullish on that. I still am pretty bullish on that. Yet I still think that, you know, Leicester probably going to finish around that fifth, sixth and be the closest or thereabouts to the closest to the top four. Uh, but I just think that um, that margin is quite substantial this season. And for me with this one, you look at how Leicester started the season. Like I said, not impressive in two of those, those two wins, sorry, out of the three games, but also equal with Norwich in terms of being the third lowest team in the Premier League and expected goals per game so far this season. I think that's pretty alarming, especially when you look at the teams that they've played. One of the teams that they played was Norwich, um, you know, and got a rather fortunate penalty in that game to help boost that expected goals number as well. Um, I don't see them having a lot of joy against City here. I think it's going to be pretty clear-cut how they set up. I think Rodgers is going to do his usual very compact lines, Um to really sort of mitigate any space in between the midfield and back four in particular. Uh, sitting sort of a little bit outside, I think they necessarily sit in a low block. Um, you know, they do leave some space in behind there, but it is very, very difficult to penetrate. And obviously, you know, down the other end, they'll play on the counter and they'll hope that, you know, be it Vardy, be it Ihanacho in the second half when he comes on, fresh legs are able to just get in behind, spring the offside trap and maybe try and steal something at the other end. And that's quite literally all they're going to hope for, I think, in this one. There's absolutely no way that they can try and outplay City. Um, you know, the possession will be extremely skewed, as most games are, um, you know, for teams facing Guardiola's outfit. The market here is, is just been flooded with Manchester City money to the point where City are now out to minus one, which away from home against a team that's a top six team in the Premier League is just absurd, but I don't disagree with it whatsoever. Uh, I think it's far more likely that City win by two or more than it is that Leicester, you know, lose by one or pick up a point. So it's a definite stay away from a betting perspective for me. Um, I'm, you know, the projections kind of in line with the markets as well as you can see there, but you know, Leicester's defence is certainly above average and can they potentially frustrate City enough to, to, you know, hold on? Maybe. But, you know, do you really want to be betting against City being held out over 90 minutes when they're going to have, you know, probably 65% possession and playing, I'd say, 70% of the game in the opponent's third? I think the answer to that's no. So for me, 
a pass, but I do agree with the betting markets in this one, the money coming in heavy on City. And if I have to just simply pick a winner, yeah, it's definitely City for me. I don't think any part of me even thinks Leicester are going to pick up a point here. Yeah, and I think I think you're right, Josh. City are absolutely prone to that style of game where they dominate 70% of the ball and you know put together a lot of free-flowing football and don't manage to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, but you know that is sort of like um, we have seen it happen over the seasons under Guardiola, but it is an anomaly. Um, it's usually completely unexpected and completely against the run of XG. So, um, yeah, you, you don't want to be betting on an anomaly, obviously. I don't yeah. think that Leicester can hold out City in this form. I think this is going to be a pretty easy uh, three points for City. I still have faith in Leicester over the course of the season to finish in the top five, maybe the top six. I think they'll at least be challenging for those spots. But like you said, they just haven't started the season particularly well in terms of the way they're playing. And um, this is a sort of fixture that they're going to find themselves punished in. And again, um, just to, to back up your point, absolutely no surprises in terms of the way these teams set up and, and approach the game. Yeah. Do you think, though, I guess the only sort of potential caveat, if you will, is Leicester come into this one feeling quietly confident in the fact that, you know, they did win that community shield at the start of the season, 1-0. Um, in, you know, they set up basically exactly as we're anticipating them to do in this one, simply playing on the counter. I think City had close to 60% possession in that game. Don't quote me on that one. I'm not entirely certain. Uh, obviously, this is going to be a far stronger Man City lineup than what featured that day, but does that at all play into this one? I mean, last season they also won away from home against City in that crazy 5-2 game where they had like, was it they had three penalties that game? Six shots, three penalties, scored five goals and won 5-2, something absurd like that. Um, and then City comfortably winning the reverse uh, away at the King Power Stadium 2-0. So I think that probably a more accurate reflection in terms of what this one is going to play out as. But do you think that that Community Shield game gives Leicester an extra level of belief, not just them, but potentially their fans as well? And like we've noted many times to start the season, obviously home fans are a big, big influence to start the season. And I think they will continue to be, um, you know, for the remainder of the year. Yeah, look, it's a really interesting question because the Community Shield for a club like Leicester, it's a bona fide cup final. And for a club like City, it's a preseason game. Yeah. So, I mean, from City's perspective, I definitely don't think that they're going to be, um, that match is going to be in the head, uh, particularly since, like, obviously it was a much weaker lineup. From Leicester's perspective, if you want me to be honest with you, I don't think that's going to give them a boost. <laughs> yeah, fair. But, uh, like, I, I'm, I don't know. I always wonder sometimes how professional teams take that. Uh, you know, going into a game, having beaten that team the last time you played them, um, how much weight does it carry in the mind of a professional footballer? Um, but at the same time, like you said, it was such a weakened City squad that I'd be surprised if they, if they, you know, read into that too much. And I think that they're very much anticipating an entirely different fixture in this one. Yeah, I think it would, um, it would give them more of a boost had they... Um... Uh, they 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 get more of a boost in the equivalent fixture from the previous season, yeah. Um, than they would from the the charity shield, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, so we'll leave that one there. I think we both think City will win this pretty comfortably. I, I think a two 0 scoreline, much the same as it was last season in this exact fixture. Uh, I don't think Leicester are going to create them a whole lot of rubble, personally. Let's look at the other Manchester club at home to Newcastle. As much as I would love to, you know, throw dirt at this team at any given opportunity, the atmosphere in that ground is going to be electric with Cristiano Ronaldo back and officially part of the match day squad, no doubt, however he features. Newcastle, we know what I think of them. Uh, you can see what the model thinks of them there on the screen, which is not very highly. 
projection, Man U 2.41, Newcastle 0.79. Um, I don't see a ton of value in the marketplace, though, because, you know, unsurprisingly, United are just huge favorites there. Um, minus one and three quarter goals. It's going to probably hit minus two by the time kickoff comes around. So you're not going to get any value at all if you want to back Man U in this one. Uh, but, you know, do you think there's any hope for a team like Newcastle here or is this just going to be an absolute comprehensive victory for Solskjaer's men in their first game back from the international break? Uh, it's, yeah, I, I, I can't envision victory. Uh, I can't envision any anything good to come from this game <laughs> in Newcastle, to be honest. Like you said, it, it, it's, it's the CR7 factor. Uh, and you know it's it's so much more than just having him as a player on the pitch. You know that signing, as we discussed last week, it's really a statement for the club, and it, it's a symbol of them. I think they, I think the club will believe um, those outside of Manchester United might not believe it, but I think for them, it's a symbol of them returning to the big leagues. You know, bringing back one of the best players in the world to the club now. You know, it's not the first time they've been in that situation since Ferguson left. You know, Angel Di Maria was definitely held in that category. So was Paul Pogba. They have had a lot of big signings that have failed, but, um, you know, not of Ronaldo's caliber, not of his his reputation and not a returning player who knows the league, knows the club and is already endeared to the fans. You know, I think this is going to be a really, really, um, you know, and 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 I hate to admit it because, you know, like yourself, Man United, not my favourite club. But I think this is going to be a really, really special day for the club and and for Ronaldo, and I think that is just going to bleed through into the stands and all over the pitch. And you know, Newcastle easily been one of the worst teams in the Premier League so far this season. So away from home, I don't. I don't see it. Speaking of Newcastle really quickly, do you think Steve Bruce sees out the season? No. Hmm. I, I think he's a manager we both discussed in episode one. Neither of us really rate. Uh, you know, I, I called him a, a dinosaur of the game and, uh, you know, their start to the season hasn't, shown me otherwise so you know i had no faith in him um on day zero i certainly haven't uh got any more faith in him now and uh yeah look newcastle you know they're not one of the biggest clubs in the league but they're going to be expecting to stay in the premier league um you know if they're in those relegation spots come christmas time i think they're going to be looking for a new manager yeah i can definitely see it but then the flip side of it is you know they have a owner who might be the biggest tight ass in all of England and, you know, the thought of him having to pay out anyone, let alone a manager's contract to then bring in someone else, um, you know, that's a whole other conversation topic altogether and I'm sure Newcastle fans are very vocal about that. But, yeah, in this game, like I said, look, the market one and three quarters, minus one and three quarters for United, uh, the model pretty much agrees with that um, sentiment. I think we see more man new money coming in, but I just don't think that there's any value in taking them here. They'll probably hit minus two, in which case you need them to win by three or more. Do I think that they do? Yes. Would I want to necessarily wager on that, especially coming off of an international break and, again, with potentially an eye on their midweek Champions League fixture coming up as well? No, I want no part in that whatsoever. Um you imagine the absolute scenes though if Ronaldo scores the opener in this game, Serge? Yeah, I wonder what the odds are on that. That wouldn't be a bad little um, bet. I, would you think he starts firstly? I think so. I think yeah, so. Okay. But I, I, I could also see him coming off the bench. I expect him to mm. start though. What do you yeah, think? I just. I don't know. I'm literally just giving it thought now for the first time and. I'd find it very strange if he didn't start. Um, you know, I think the expectation is he starts. I think his expectation would be that he starts as well. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if you're Solskjaer, I don't know if you want to bench him first game at home, um, you know, given the occasion. 
uh, you know, he, as much as a professional as he might be and as much as he may understand that, that his role at times this season will be to come off the bench, I don't think that, yeah, like I said, I don't think Solskjaer wants to send that message first up and necessarily rub him the wrong way yeah, to start off their relationship. So I, I think he starts. Yeah, I do. The more I think I'm just talking myself into it now, but I agree. And um, look, I agree with you. Over the course of the season, we're going to see him uh, rested. He's going to be coming off the bench. And, he, you know, he's just at the end of the day, you know, even though he is a freak of an athlete, he's a 36-year-old uh, mm. man. And, you know, he's just going to have to respect that Solskjaer wants to get the most out of him when it matters most. Having said that, Still a freakish athlete. I would not be surprised to see him start not only um, against Newcastle, but in the Champions League as well. I think yeah. that would be something. Yeah, I could probably see that being the case as well. And, you know, let's be honest, his, his minutes are probably going to be higher until Rashford is back to full fitness anyway. Um, you know, I think he takes up all of the Cavani minutes and then some. Uh, like I said in last week's show, I, the only person I really worry about is... Uh, Mason Greenwood and exactly what his role becomes now, um, you know, behind Ronaldo. But let's uh, keep chugging along with the rest of these fixtures. Chelsea at home to Aston Villa next up for us. Uh, the model Chelsea 2.14, Aston Villa 0.84. Pretty much in line with the market here. Chelsea at minus one and a half at home, which isn't surprising. You'd expect them to probably come out and, and take care of business relatively comfortably at home in this one. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Is there any world where you think Villa can cause them any headaches? Again, this is a this is a fixture I look at as being pretty straightforward. You've got one of the Giants at home against Villa, who, I, I look, I don't think they're a, a bad side. Um, we actually haven't discussed them too much, but they're pretty much, they've had the start of the season that you would kind of expect. One yeah. win, one draw, one loss. It's pretty much in line of what we expect of them. I think, you know, they're a solid mid-table team. Um, uh, whereas Chelsea, look, they've had a, a really good start to the season. Uh, you know, they've already taken on um, one of the big dogs in, in Liverpool. And I think um, particularly, you know, that was obviously a, um, a game full of many uh, many twists and turns, but look, they looked really good in the first half. So, look, I think they're going to be genuine title contenders based on what we've seen so far this season. Um, so, I, I don't expect them to have too much trouble against against Villa. Um, how do you feel about um, the new signing uh, Niguez coming into the into the side? What does he fit like, in? Uh, I don't know. That team is so stacked for depth. It's just embarrassing. Like, you know, uh, I didn't actually think that they'd get that deal over the line, um, largely because I wasn't sure they necessarily needed to spend that sort of money um, on a player of that caliber given where the squad currently stood. But you know, here we are, and like I said, an embarrassment of riches at the moment. The depth is just incredible. Someone that good is always going to make your squad better as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, there'll be a teething process. The first time in the Premier League um, is always difficult for a lot of these players. Um, but, you know, like they have that luxury of being able to just slowly nurture him and have him adjust to the climate of the Premier League without any real pressures to go with it. Um, you know, so that in itself is a luxury for the player as much as the player is a luxury for the club. So, yeah, I, I'm very intrigued to see how they utilise him in the early goings, but I think come the new year in January, he becomes a staple piece of that midfield for sure. Um, you know, I don't see it any other way, to be perfectly honest, unless he really struggles to come to grips with life in England, which has happened before. So, I mean, we can't rule it out entirely, but I think that's kind of the only way that, you know, in three or four months from now, he isn't one of the first names on the team sheet. 
um, you know, in the middle of the park for them. Yeah, really interesting for me, so many ways. Like you said, you're absolutely top shelf player, but, you know, he's competing with uh, Jorginho and, and Kante in that deep-lying midfield role. Um, and there's really interesting comments from uh, Atletico Madrid. They basically said that he wanted to leave the club because he wasn't yeah. getting late enough in his preferred position. So, you know, in, in, interpret that as, as you will. Uh, I'm sure they've had the discussions over how they want to, to utilise him, but... Yeah. You know, if they see him as a sort of player that is going to be versatile and play in many areas of, like, play all over the pitch where needed, um, I think that's going to be a problem. I, I don't think uh, Niguez is going to be happy with that arrangement. So, yeah, look, it's it's look, it, this is the Premier League at, at top clubs. You've got um, absolutely top quality players in every position, yeah. and you want them fighting for for their place in the team. Doesn't matter how good they are. So. Um, yeah, I guess I we'll completely see. agree. Completely agree. But uh, I think, yeah, both in agreement here, this is as straightforward as a fixture can be in the Premier League, right? Like Chelsea at home, I completely agree with the model projections here. I can see a 2 0 win. I don't think Villa is going to cause them a lot of problems. I still think Villa are trying to work out their identity a little bit since losing Jack Grealish, particularly going forward. I know they replaced him with talented players, but you know, that it takes time. You're changing a system really when you have when you were so dependent on one individual in the final third um you know it doesn't really matter what you bring in and how good that talent is it's gonna it's gonna take time to um adapt not just for those players coming into the new club but for the team for the players that were already there as well to adjust to how these new guys are going to impact the game and how they can now impact the game in different ways as well to assist with that so Certainly teething problems, I think, for Villa at the moment. Um, but like you said, I still think they're a pretty comfortable mid-table team in the long run. Just in this particular fixture, I don't think they're going to offer a whole lot. Uh, so for me, yeah, Chelsea comfortable winners here. Completely agree with the market. If I had to pick something, yeah, I would take minus one and a half for Chelsea. Um, but I will stay away from that one as well. Let's get to the main event, though, Serge, before we do clock off for today. Leeds versus Liverpool at Ellen Road. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> like a lot of fun. The model projects goals. Uh, Leeds 1.23, Liverpool 2.27. The market has Liverpool minus one goal favourites as well. Um, looks like it's pretty steady there as well. I don't think we're going to see a ton of money either way. I will let you take the floor on this one though, Serge. What are you anticipating from your men in this fixture? Look, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, I look at this as a lead supporter and I, I just think that anything can happen in this fixture. It could go so many different ways. Um, you know, on the evidence of this season, you know, if leads are overzealous um, on the and they get on the front foot and they're pushing forward, obviously Liverpool are a team that can absolutely tear them apart and punish them, as we saw in round one with Man United. Uh, Liverpool absolutely have that same quality. But if we're lo- uh, using last season's fixtures as a reference point, you know, Leeds did hold Liverpool to a draw in this um, fixture last season. Um, however, I would expect it to look more like their uh, opening day fixture at Anfield, to be honest. And I think that if the game looks like that, and obviously you have to understand, as a Leeds supporter, I'm looking at it ways that Leeds could possibly get something out of this game. So I think, how is the game going to be competitive? I think if it if it looks something like um, this, the, the the four three from last season, you know, it's end to end. You know, uh, Leeds are at home, so they're going to have the, the the fans behind them. It's it's competitive. It's cutthroat. But what we need to see from Leeds that we haven't seen uh, enough this season is the quality in that final third. Um, you know, that final ball, it just needs to be on point. And look, uh, Bamford got his uh, his England debut over the weekend, which is absolutely fantastic for him. He, he started, didn't have the best game against 
Estonia. Is it? Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, I mean, that's a big deal for him. So we hope he he, he brings some um, some confidence from that into this fixture. I don't know how I feel about the the Daniel James signing. Um, maybe I should be more excited about it than than I am, but it just doesn't fill me with much. Twenty five million. Uh, look, I'm I'm with you. Like I, I don't I don't know what to make of that signing. Like it's great to have squad depth and competition for places, but. Like was that money well spent? Really? Like how? What, what's he going to bring to the table that Leeds don't already have? I mean, he's undeniably quick, like lightning quick, um, which is you know all good and well. But he's kind of struggled with his end product in terms of both finishing and you know crossing and delivering into the box. So for a team who, like you said, to start this season are lacking in that department in particular. Um, I don't know what what exactly changes by bringing him into the fold. Yeah, I was so underwhelmed when I, I saw that signing. And look, you know, I had to reflect a little bit and part of me feels like we're always getting mugged by Man United when we're, um, when we're doing business with them. Obviously, we have the record of, of selling them uh, you know, the best player in the league for 1 million, Eric Cantona, many decades ago. But, it, you know, it's gone down in history as one of the worst transfer decisions ever. So, obviously, like, as a Leeds fan, I'm carrying that trauma and I never want to do any business with Man United. And Daniel James is not a player I rated very much to begin with. So, dis- disappointing. Look, I-, I, hope he- I hope he brings something to the table. But Do you I find think- it, as a Sorry. Leeds fan... As a Leeds fan, do you find it hard to embrace a player that's played for Man U? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I know it works the other way around too. And yeah. uh, we sold them Alan Smith for uh, $10 million or so, and that didn't really work out <laughs> for them. And, um, you know, I can tell you the fans did not embrace him at all. <laughs> that is um, very true. Yeah, the like he just lost that the Man United fans turned on him, the Leeds fans turned on him. Um, he lost everybody. But yeah, look, I what I'd really like to see is a competitive game, an open game. Um, believe it or not, I yeah. think that's Leeds' best chance. Uh, look, I don't think there's any chance that they're going to sit back and play defensive because it's just not Bielsa's style. Um, but if they are going to play on the front foot, two things they need to do that they haven't done so far, as I've said already. Um, quality on the ball and number two they just need to be um, better at defending on the counter if you're going to press forward you have to be prepared to to lose the ball and for the opposition to break quickly and um, look I've said round one they did a horrible job of that with um, Robin um, KO I have, to, I have to spell out the surname YouTube actually censored, censored me Robin K-O-C-H um, was awful in that in that role. Now they've got um, Calvin Phillips has come back into the squad. They've shuffled things around. So I'd like to see them do a better job than that. Having said that, obviously, the way Liverpool are playing, this is going to be an extremely difficult fixture for Leeds. And um, I would have to say from, from my perspective, even though I'm desperate to get the three points, uh, a draw would feel like a win in this one. Yeah, I agree with pretty much a lot of what you said. Like, I, straight off the bat, I think Leeds' best chance is to to make sure that this game is as open and expensive as possible. Um, but you know, the flip side, as a Liverpool fan, I not as nervous going to Ellen Road as what I would have been, say, a few months ago with the way Leeds were playing and how clinical they were in front of goal win chances and the, their ability to create clear-cut chances um, versus what we've seen from them to start this season, particularly now that, you know, we do have Van Dyke back, Matip back, you know, assuming we see that combination, whatever combination we see at the back um, will be better than what we put out last time we came to Ellen Road. And I think that is a fixture as well that I remember thinking we absolutely should have won and would have won if we had everyone available. Um, I also like 
our chances of creating plenty on the counter. Like you said, I until Leeds sort of show an ability to not just adjust but to properly acclimatise and be comfortable in how they defend when losing possession given that they are so attack-minded basically all across the field, I will always envision them to concede goals to teams who can counter in the way that Man U can, that Liverpool can, that Tottenham even can. Um, you know, those are the sort of teams that if, if I was a lead supporter, I wouldn't feel comfortable playing just because of the number of opportunities that will come on the counterattack. Um, so I think this game is going to be very open and I think that there's going to be a lot of very clear-cut chances at either end of the field as well to match. Um, I agree with the model entirely in that I think that over three goals is the best possible play in this game. Um, you know, the market sitting Liverpool minus three quarters of a goal, not minus one. Um, minus three quarters, but there is a lot of money coming in on Liverpool at that. I would agree with that as well. My only concern is that we have never been particularly sharp coming off of an international break under Jurgen Klopp, period. Uh, and that is probably what scares me the most. Um, you know, it, the fact that, you know, they get that extra day, I think is huge um, and wildly important. So, you know, whether that negates everything, I don't know. Uh, but I do believe that they will be better set up this time around than they were coming out of any international break last season, obviously, given how decimated the squad was as well. So, yeah, I, I find it hard to to see how Liverpool don't score a couple of goals in this game. And I think a couple of goals will be enough. I don't think we're going to get a 4-3, but I do see a 2-1 or a 3-1 certainly being on the cards. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I agree with the model here. I agree with the market on both sides. Uh, and, Serge, I think you're just going to have to wait another week for your first official Premier League win of the season. I don't know, Josh. Look, I hear the scoreline 4-3. I know it was a scoreline last season, but um, I just think of that uh, Mark Viduka performance from, uh, what was like 20 years ago now, but still one of the most iconic games as a lead supporter. Yeah. Four shots, four goals, complete underdogs in that game, uh, managed to pull it out somehow. Um, the big Australian uh, sensation up front. Australian Croatian. Oh credit to his heritage as well but uh yeah um yeah that that was a game for the history books that's for sure uh so for my official prediction i'm going leeds win i don't care (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm going 3-1 liverpool as the official prediction i'll go four three leeds all right, we'll, and we'll roll this game into as well our best bet for the week. Um, it's actually our only members play this week. The model seems to be pretty in line with the markets for the most part. The only market edge we show is in this game, and that's Leeds versus Liverpool over three goals. Uh, like you said, it, like you saw rather on the projections there, projecting at least three and a half goals expected. Um, so, yeah, for me, like I said, Liverpool 3-1 is... Perfect. It ticks all the required boxes on my end. Um, so, Serge, hopefully if Leeds do manage to win, they can at least clear the three goals for me. Well, look, the three, the three goals clears my uh, prediction as well. <laughs> so That's I'm, true. I'm, I'm on board with the over 3.0. Um, that is true. Like I said, not, else, not much else to offer in terms of the betting markets this week because I think the markets are pretty much on point coming out of the international break. That'll do us, though, in terms of covering the fixtures for match day four. Like I said, there is a lot of intriguing games there um, and one that will no doubt be fireworks to sign things off, I think. But, Serge, we'll be back next week. Go back to the Monday slate and preview match day five. Um, We might even talk some Champions League football next week as well. What do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, I I think this round is going to be really exciting as well. 
Uh, and I know there were three or four games that we uh, both predicted would be pretty straightforward, but this is the Premier League, and I would be surprised if all three or four went uh, precisely the way that we and all fans expect. I'm expecting one of those games to trip us up. So looking yeah. forward to covering it next week. And Champions League, absolutely. Can't wait. Yeah, I would love to be very wrong about the Man U game. Put it that way. Um <laughs> That'll do it for this week, though, guys. If you are watching, please do drop us a like on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel as well so you tune in live next time and join in the conversations. Serge, thanks for jumping on. As always, we'll, we'll be back, like I said, next Monday for the Match Day 5 and some Champions League Match Day 1 preview talk then. But until then, best of luck this weekend. Good luck to all your teams, uh, unless, of course, you're supporting Man U. See you all in a week's time.